Hey friends, you're listening to Wait Long by the River. Our live show on April 1st is going to be the last of this season. Lucky we have an excellent guest, or should I say guests? I've been trying to book them all year, and now I have them, I'll have to figure out how to handle them. It's broads. Check out the Facebook page for their song, How to Make a Hero, and come along to the show April 1st at Sun Velvet Morning. Up now, I've got a man who left school to work in a factory for a year, bought a Bedford van with two double beds, threw that in for a degree in fine art, destroying Adelaide, among other things, before settling in Melbourne to play wonderfully put-together tunes with a really, truly local voice. He's a deep thinker. Uh, you can hear all through this show that he's a guy who's given everything a little thought at some point. I was honoured to have him on the show. It's James Kenyon. Welcome to Wait Long by the River, the show where we tie a little twine around the ankle of some of Melbourne's greatest creative minds and then dangle them in front of the great internet god, which as we all know is a cat. Tonight, as my guest on our 17th episode, I have James Kenyon. How you doing, man? Hi, James. Good to see you. Uh, Thank you, you too. Yeah, you're the first person who's set up with an amp facing directly at me side stage, so I feel like you've got backup or something. Yeah, it's it's to regulate your questions. (laughs) Excellent. I'll try not to give you anything that's too much out of left field then. Um, tell me about your relationship with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, let's start slow. What's like? Are nope. you a Sun Velvet Morning regular? Ah, uh, yes. Well, you I don't come know what here that often. Means. Is I, what it's that not rare for me to be here. I don't. I don't think my appearances are regular. I'm mainly drawn to their hamburgers, to be honest. I've driven a long way for one of them. From Adelaide? Uh, from no, from Geelong. Oh, that's still pretty long. Yeah. yeah you live in really Geelong good. now? No, I live in Seddon. Is that closer or further away? It's closer. Okay, good. It's it's between Footscray and Yarraville. Right. It, it's a terrible name. I think Seddon is a bad word. I think it's mm-hmm. it, it doesn't sound good to me, but it's a wonderful suburb. So I mean, you make, uh, I mean, you're a poet among many other things, obviously, because you, I mean, I know you sing over them, and that makes you technically a musician. But same a thing. Lyricist. Are there words? Yeah. Are there words that are genuinely bad? And if so, how can we make that call? Yeah, I think so. I think I think there are some beautiful words. And some odd words too. I remember. Um, it's awfully inclusive. All of a sudden, you've gone from <laughs> terrible to odd with a, a hesitation. There's so many words. I remember as as a child once repeating the word "cup" to myself. Cup, 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 until it just didn't mean anything cup. anymore. And then just cup. going into a cup. infinity spiral of I don't know what. Cup, 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 cup. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you could pick a word that's really. <laughs> Cup. I wonder if there's a word that you could pick that would that is actually very important to you that could lose its meaning. Like, I don't know about. Yeah, there probably is. But yeah. on that theme, I remember when I was really little, we we lived in the country of South Australia, and we used to catch this train into Adelaide. And I remember kind of being obsessed with that train because I was a young boy, and young boys seem to like trains. But I remember years later. I've, I'm gonna keep going. I remember I found a photo in a train book of that train, and it re- and I was staring at it, and it really hit me very hard. I'm like, oh, that's that. That really reminds me of when I was a kid, and I can smell the diesel fumes and all that. And then, but I kept I kept going back to look at it because I really like that feeling of remembering it. Yeah. But it started diminishing. Uh huh. And eventually, it didn't mean anything anymore. It was just a picture of a train. So, uh, getting back to your question, 
maybe there are words like that, but there are certainly images like that in my life. Certainly experiences like that. I know I have to ration any album that I really enjoy because I want to just listen to it until it falls on deaf ears. Like I just want to play it on repeat. Like Andy Schaaf is a guy who came out recently and I've been listening to it so much at work that I, that I realized that it was just playing on repeat and I hadn't noticed. And I was yeah. like, damn, I ruined another record. That's otherwise yeah. so good. Yeah, I have that problem with uh, when I get a record, there's a particular song that attracts me. It's generally like number three or number ten or whatever. And I, I, I know I'm on a death spiral to not enjoying that song anymore, but I'm just, I just play it over and over and over again, and then I don't like it anymore. Speaking of things that fascinated us when we were kids, we always used to obsess over the, the track order on a record. So like number one was always either going to be like the lengthy, spacey, takes way too long, and so you skip it, or like the bam, this is our hit. And then you move on, and then like track three would be the single, and track seven would be the single again, and that was how you'd space it uh-huh. out. Is that, what you, is that sort of what you were getting at just then when you said... It would either be track three or track ten. Were you picking those numbers randomly? No, I wasn't. I found that they were often the tracks. Right. But on that theme. <laughs> yeah. I spent a lot of time thinking about that for my first album. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I totally fucked it up. Oh, no. How? It's just all wrong. I picked the, fir- the, the first song is a, a challenging song to listen to. The third song didn't really work properly. Um Actually, totally stuffed it up is probably a bit extreme, but... You didn't ruin the album. No, I don't think I ruined the album. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, but, it, but now I go, why did I put that song on first? Because everyone just listens to it and hears that weird diminished chord and just goes, oh, this is fuck weird. Does it open on a weird diminished chord? Were you making a statement? No, it's the second chord. Oh, I just right. thought it was the one that was most interesting. Mm. Is it still? No, I never play it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I totally sympathise. I would, yeah, I would totally do my first record differently as well. But you have a new one, don't I, you? I'm making one. You're making one in the so, midst. Yeah. So, I mean, that's exciting. Are you going to learn from your mistakes, or are you going to repeat them? Because I'm a repeater. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let someone else decide. Mm. I yeah, I read a little while ago about someone ridiculously huge. It was Santana or something who who only ever he. Gives all, oh, it's Neil Young. Neil Young gives all the tracks on the album in a random order to his wife. Oh, really? And says to her, put these in whatever order you think works. And that's the order that it goes out. How long has he been doing that for? Good question. Because hmm. I haven't listened to any of his recent albums. I can't say if they're any good. I wonder if he did that on Harvest. No, no, no. That's way too long ago. Hmm. Hasn't had many... Uh... Sorry. <laughs> hey, and I heard a derisive laugh from the audience about Santana versus Neil Young. Was that because Santana is so far not in Neil Young's league? It's just an unlikely it is an unlikely comparison that I would think it would be Santana and it would turn out to be Neil Young. All right, good. Because I was just thinking, like, Neil Young is definitely the better of the two. We can all agree on that, right? Well, he's probably more significant in terms of songs. <laughs> <laughs> They're very diplomatic of you. <laughs> hey, you're the guy with the amp behind you. You can disagree with me all you want. So Neil Young's not a not someone who influenced you heavily? I thought everyone. Wait, so who influenced you? Well, the thing I always think about with Neil Young the most is the snare sound on Harvest. It's this nice, really nice, tight, compressed snare. I don't know why that's the thing. I, I didn't listen to him a lot. The people that influenced me initially was Dire Straits. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, Mark Knopfler. Yeah. Like, aside from the fact that he's sort of imitating Bob Dylan and all of his singing, 
But that's okay. I don't think he has a choice. He's, he's, that's right. That's just who he is. He's but, just got a weird compressed sort of sinusy area. Yeah, his face is all smooshed up. But his guitar playing is second to none. It's amazing. In his own little world. And he tells good stories. His songs Does have, he? Oh, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. The, the Wichita Linesman or whatever. Doesn't he tell the Mason Dixon line? There's a whole album of the Mason Dixon line. That's awesome. Yeah. The, story, the album I got into was called Love Over Gold. It was just before Brothers in Arms, which was that big one. Mm-hmm. But there was a song called Telegraph Road, which went for 15 minutes, and I just played it over and over and over again. It's exciting, your first extraordinarily long song, isn't it? I used to play my um, cricket bat as a guitar. Anyway, that's not <laughs> really? that interesting. Actually? Yeah, well, yeah. But I think a lot of people did. Are you a, are you a sport? Are you a sport? Yeah, you know? I really like sport. I like. Do you it. do you get something out of it? Because I was just listening to Roy Harper's song when the uh, when the linesman leaves his crease, and it's like this twelve minute epic about what it's like being a retiring cricket player. And I thought, wow, you really can draw on sport to make a decent song. Not great, but decent. <laughs> I don't. I don't um know if its ability to convert into song is. Is its measure of its um, importance. I just like it because you get to. Um, well, I like playing it. I love playing sport. I love playing cricket and soccer and football. Mm-hmm. I think because actually I've thought about it a lot. Other, hmm, I, I actually think it's you don't need to think about it a lot because it's just so enjoyable to do. Why, why, uh, why think about it? But I can't help myself, so I do. I think I like how you are actually in really engaging with sort of Newtonian physics, like you're throwing yourself around, you're picking a particular velocity to meet a ball at a particular vector and all this kind of stuff, and then striking it at exactly the right angle to make it do what it needs to do to complete the task. It's problem solving in real time. I really like it. Wow, it's fantastic. You've almost convinced me to join a sporting team. <laughs> I might give it a go. There were, there were a group of physicians from Cambridge who tried to award David Beckham an honorary doctorate for his services to parabolas. <laughs> <laughs> he did He did turn them a little, didn't he? He did take a parabola that everyone thought was fixed and yeah, just give it a bit of a twist. Yeah, he, uh, he bent it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's really interesting because that's... I know it just sounds like, you know, why think about it why rationalise about it? But now that you have rationalised about it, let's pick it apart. If what you enjoy is that is that experience of like living physics, how does that translate to watching sport? Do you enjoy participating but not watching? Yeah. Because really, like, <laughs> yeah. Like I know my dad. That's a different with, thing. Yeah. When my dad's watching soccer, his foot like kicks out whenever they go for a ball, and I always think, oh, you just wish you were out there, don't you? Well, he was a professional soccer player. How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the research goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I've thought about that too. I think I like how you don't know what's about to happen. Like if you're watching it in real time, it's an unpredictable drama Mm -hmm. as opposed to art, which is generally choreographed. Um, The songs are rehearsed, the dance is choreographed, the the drawing's done. But football or whatever, cricket is live drama. Really, I think you you get out of it you can really commit to it and really know a lot about it and invest a lot in it and then it becomes heightened. I don't think that that's a reason to do it, but I've just found myself in that position because <laughs> I grew up in a sport family. A sport, like big family? Did you have sort of a cricket team to yourself kind of thing? Yeah, five kids. So oh, half a cricket team. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. That's enough to play in the backyard whenever you want. Yeah, we did which do is a awesome. Lot. We did do a lot, or forced my little sister to anyway. So did you get into performance because you were trying to cut through the noise of all the <laughs> the four other kids? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Are you a middle kid? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and middle of five is that worse than middle of three? No, like, I reckon th- it's better. You got a, like an extra sort of type of sibling. I got an older brother, an older sister, a younger brother, a younger sister. Five. So does that mean your family's Catholic? Yep. Cool. <laughs> That's all I know about religion. No. <laughs> I'm sure I know plenty of other things. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I've got stuff going on. This isn't about me. It's about you. Uh, is, it, is it a religious part of the world? You're from Gawler. Gawler, South Australia. No, which was originally particularly be- religious. Have you heard the thing about it being the Athens of Australia? No, I haven't heard anything about that. It was going to be called the. It was. It was billed as like the cultural capital of the country in 1898. Gola was. And they said it was going to be like the site of the after Melbourne had its first ex, ex, world's exposition exhibition. Uh, they said Gola will be the next town to have it. Mark my words. I'm stunned. Yeah. <laughs> it did, did obviously didn't happen. No, I knew it was no, <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> I knew it was the first regional town founded outside of Adelaide. Huh. And All then right. the next most interesting thing about it is that it is on the edge of the Barossa Valley. I didn't know it was going to be that. Where did you? The number two contender for the the new Australian anthem was written in Gawler. Which was is that called to Australia? The or Song of Australia. Song of Australia. Yeah. Which some knowing nods in the audience to my surprise. Obviously, can you sing it? No. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, politics nerds. How do you feel about politics? You're a politics guy. I am a politics guy. I work in politics. Like as a day job? It's my day job. I don't know if I've ever met... It's a lot like music in that it's, it's... Lots of people are involved in it all the time, but very few people are getting paid to do it. But you make a living being involved in politics. Yeah. That's fantastic. How much can you talk about it? Um, <laughs> I can talk about... Yeah, I can talk about it. Okay, so did you seek it out because of your ideals or did you just fall into this line of work? Because no, I sort it out. I sort it. So I've only been doing it for probably three and a half years and we, we come from a pretty political family, like a strong Labour family. Mm-hmm. And um, when Julia Gillard was in power, it kind of coincided with the tail end of the GFC, which finished my career as an artist. <laughs> so I needed a job that paid and I wanted to marry it with something that had meaning for me so um i started applying to political offices for work and i got work at julie gillard's electorate office wow yeah during the during her yeah when she was prime minister yeah that's fascinating yeah it was it was awesome i mean was it exciting to be working somewhere or was it surprisingly day-to-day sort of (laughs) just gauging who's listening um, Thousands of people. Yeah. It was, it, it was a, it was a cross between the two. Like there were some really exciting moments, mm-hmm. and there were days when I was photocopying. Just, yep. Um, and days when I was really disappointed with the discourse uh, in the office. But um, then there were other days when, we were, like, I went to the lodge for the Christmas party and you know played cricket on the lawns and all that kind of thing and and met, you know, ministers and all that kind of thing. So there were some really exciting days. But most of it was pretty much... What people don't understand about electorate offices is it's basically a a social service. People ring you 
when they've exhausted all bureaucratic options. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it is helping people with problems and cutting through bureaucracy, which is exciting, actually. That's a really good part of the job because you can ring Centrelink and say, hi, it's the Prime Minister's office. One of my clients is being stuffed around. Oh. And uh, they really snap too and uh, you get shit done. So that's really that was really good. It's like having a really, really big amp right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it just gives you so much power. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Wow. And so you feel like you really got some good, good deals for people. Definitely. Huh. It happens all the time, though. Like, there's they they do, the electorate officers do really good stuff. They have a reputation for being sort of havens for party hacks, but there's actually a lot of good work coming out of them. Wow, and that probably not the liberals, though. I don't think that happens. <laughs> that must be like really time consuming, though. Like full on work. It's not. That's yeah. not nine to five at work. Um, or is it? I don't know. How would no, I know? That, that stuff's pretty nine to five. But when you when you go up to Canberra and that sort of thing, it becomes. Consuming. So your music didn't disappear into the background while you were. Uh, I had to fight kind of for work? it a bit. Yep. Yeah. You get asked to do all sorts of things. I'm like, I'm sorry, I've got a gig. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean you've got a gig? What, what is a gig? What's a gig? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you haven't won over any fans in the in the labour party. Yeah. No, actually, um, l- the year before last, there were, I was invited to be a part of this thing run by the Age called the Age Stage Awards, where you'd play at the Toff in town and they'd film you. Cool. And, um, yeah, it was great. And they put it on their iP- iPad, iPad app. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so everyone had these pretty well, pretty high quality videos of their songs. And, um, and then the public could vote for them. And because I was working for the ALP, I just sort of got the <laughs> had these huge networks of people who are often asked to vote for things. <laughs> so, <Very good>. <laughs> <laughs> so I basically stacked the vote and won. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And oh, I won the Age Award. Hey, in a popularity <laughs> contest, it's all about who you can draw. I had 113 Turks voting for me. It was amazing. Oh, <laughs> oh it's fantastic. Oh, well, hey, we'll have to link to that on the website. Yeah, yeah, there's a there. clip and everything. Wow. And some story about... Yeah, there's a story. There's a story about you. Yeah, well, that we won. So the, the photographer came out and took a photo at, at the standard. I thought I had a scoop here with this thing. Are you telling me the age is already on it? <laughs> is anybody unknown out there that I can just... Swap him out. No, it's all right. Okay. We'll stick with it. Um, but you've, you've only been focusing on music. F- like, has, it, has the music focus always gone concurrently to everything else? Or did you go from... Because I know you were a visual artist mm. of some repute. Because I've seen your artworks and they're good. Thanks. And that counts as repute, <laughs> I think. From your position. Is it, is it A or B? Or oh, did it, I, I didn't think on? it was, but I think it is, yeah. A bit. They're both really time-consuming. And, pardon me, if you don't, if you have a day job as well, you can't do both. I just don't think you can. It's, um, they're both real drains on money. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and emotional energy and, um, you know, you have to keep convincing yourself that it's not ridiculous what you're doing. Because <laughs> yep. it probably is. How so, is that different <laughs> from working at the, at the electoral office? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It pays. I guess the electoral office pays. Oh, yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. But the, I, don't, I think you've only got so so much. Um, you've only got – you've got a limited ability to be able to say, yes, what I'm doing is good and um, people like it and it's worth doing in the creative area. Like I think it, that chews mm-hmm. up a lot. 
I reckon. Yeah. So if so, do you, do you measure the worth of it by that that impact? Then, like, if if suddenly people were really interested in your art and there was a lot of desire for it, would you say, "All right, well, the art's more important to me for the at the moment." Like, do you choose the one that's most gratifying for you or that gets the most result? Um, I think in the end, I chose the one that was most gratifying gratifying to me. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell the same sort of stories in art as you can in music? And that you had particular stories you wanted to tell? Or is it just like sport where it's like, it feels so good, Yeah. why question it? It's just the mechanics. It's just the doing of it is much more enjoyable. I, I, art's a really solitary pursuit. Mm-hmm. And it's quite lonely, really. Um, and and the whole delivery of it is um, you have an exhibition, right, and people just walk around and look at it and you get a few people come up and say that's great or whatever mm-hmm. and then that's that. After months and months and months of intense effort and angst and you might sell a few things and that's that's great. Every, you mm-hmm. sort of, um, you know, it's a win maybe three weeks down the track. Oh, you sold a piece. And that's right, you jump around, that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. But it's nothing like music where you're can, where you playing live and you have a crowd and they're enjoying it or not. But at least they're clapping at the end. Like you don't even <laughs> get a clap at a fucking exhibition. At least pretend to enjoy it. Yeah, well, you, you, there's some kind of payoff at the end, even if it's small. So it's, it's, it's higher frequency and, and probably less impact. Like if I think if I had an art exhibition and everyone just suddenly spontaneously clapped, that would be incredible. Does that happen? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> Even like the, the top, because you went to VCA, right? So like yeah. the, the number one kid at VCA who was like the wonderkind and went on to big things and everybody now yeah. says, oh, I was in his year when yeah, I was at VCA. Yeah. Like did they get applause? No. You go, wow. No. What about like recognition? Yeah, they get recognition. Like you get a newspaper article. That feels good. Yeah. Yep. Mm. I got a few of them that was like, dad, dad, look, I got this three centimeter thing in the age. Yeah. Um. That was always good. Yep. Because I feel like your your art would make good copies. Like you destroyed Adelaide, <laughs> and so that's gonna that's gonna read well. Yeah, yeah. That that, that got a run in a few art magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like you know, they're not read that much, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't know if someone's reading them or not. Well, look, I'll give you the listener numbers for this yeah, podcast, yeah. and and that'll. I think I'm basically revealing that I just need instant um, <laughs> appraisal, like instant approval. <laughs> it's more fun too. Like you're with other people doing it. Like if you're playing in a band, it's great. You know, you, you know the songs and you're really enjoying it and everyone's hitting their straps and it's just brilliant. You look around and laugh and mm-hmm. it's really um, it's a communal thing. It's great. I like that about it. And your album has a lot of interplay between the guitar and the banjo and the guitar and the strings. Do you feel like you're missing that stuff when you just play on your own? Yep. Yeah, definitely. But you gain other things, like you have more freedom to move and and um, wander, I guess. Mm-hmm. And move move away from the planned, th- what do you call it, the scripting? Obviously when you're playing with other people, like you all need to know what's happening when mm-hmm. and there is a, a plan. When you're playing by yourself, you can sort of... There's a lot more space as well. Mm-hmm. Generally, I prefer to play with a band, but solo is good from time to time. Do you have a song that you could play us? <laughs> so that we can like... Because I understand, you know, we're talking a lot, but... I'm trying to... Th- I, thought, I thought that it would just come to me what song I wanted to play uh, thematically, but Do you have a not. political song? Because a, a really promising thing came up just as I was about to say... 
we're talking about you working in an electoral office. And electorate. Does your, it's an important distinction. Is that really electoral is the AEC. So they're the, the non-partisan. They count votes. They count votes. Electorate is a political office. They use votes. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So does your politics creep into your music? Do you have like... A no, uh, it doesn't because it's a good question. You'd think it would, but I've tried and my political songs are horrific. <laughs> really? How bad? Oh, really a... deeply embarrassing. Go on. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you got to have something in the back I, of your I'm mind. I'm feeling embarrassed even on top. Well, the, uh, I've written a few and <laughs> one in particular when I was like 19 and it's so it's, – it's, it's one of the most awful things I've ever done in my life, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's you me have... trying, to, trying to like empathise and, and, <laughs> and raise anger about a beggar. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, so you, you're using somebody else's poverty. Exactly. It's so bad on so many <laughs> levels. Like, and it's really kind of – it ends up just being narcissistic waffle. It's horrible <laughs> and exploitative as well. Oh, great. So you couldn't just – No, there's no way you'll hear it. <laughs> I know it though. I still yeah. know it. Really? Because it's just every now and then it's sort just, of like, – Just give us a line. Just a representative line. <laughs> um, no, I can't do it. Because you know the Decemberists, right? And they have that live album where he plays Dracula's Daughter, which he says is the worst song he's ever written by far. What, what's it about? It's about how bad would it be being Dracula's daughter. <laughs> See how that looks. Dracula's Daughter, Dracula's Daughter. Uh, you know, you think you've got it bad. How do you reckon it would feel having Dracula for a dad? See how that looks on you. And then he plays the chord and he's like, that's it. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. This is just too much. He thought he was going to play the whole song for them, but it was just so bad. All right, I'll give and you it's the, one first, of the highlights. The first verse is met a man today. His name. There was a real nail, nail polish sniffing kind of thing that went through Adelaide. Hmm? Met a man today. His name was Maya. Could should have seen his face. He couldn't have been much higher. Been sniffing nail polish all day. He asked me for a smoke. I said okay. That's <laughs> great. And it gets really bad. It's, a, for it's, a, it's right at the cold face <sighs> there. You, you're in the situation. You painted a picture I'm for shivering. me. I'm shivering. I'm kind of cold. In Elfish. Well, do you want to? Wash the bad taste out of your mouth with a, with a real song? Yeah, that would be good. Aha. Now a song leaves to mind. Because you're like, ugh! <laughs> I'm, I'm going to play... Well, on the theme of sort of chemical addictions, I'll play one about, a, a, about drinking too much. Great, because my drink's about to run out. So that's perfect. Actually, this, maybe, mm, this is sort of a... Sort of empathising. Oh, I'll shut up. I'll just play it. I, I read an I read an article in the monthly about um in the monthly about um parole violators. Um, for those of you who don't know, there's a couple of jails in New South Wales called Silverwater and Long Bay. Girls were singing along to a Kanye West song, hanging out of the car, screaming at the stars. The speedo was dialing up. I think I was spooked by a truck. <laughs> 
I didn't put any robber down I heard later from the crown But I don't remember I can't recall And I have bad dreams If I sleep at all Silver water Long Bay Such pretty names Such pretty names Fridays in our town Everyone is down At the railway or the royal To whichever they are loyal If I'm gonna go out I'm careful who's about Cause you know alcohol Is a breach of my parole Oh, the judge was gentle But when young folks die They're gonna need a tooth For that I Silver water Long Bay Such pretty names Such pretty names Silver water Long Bay Such pretty names such pretty names Well, I could not look them in the eye But I surely heard them softly cry Silver water, long bay Such pretty names such pretty names. Yeah. Ah, uh, thank you. Oh man, that's just beautiful. This thing about the the Australian sounding storytelling thing it makes me think of Paul Kelly. Were you a Paul Kelly fan? Yeah. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I got. I remember getting his album um, live, nineteen ninety two. Pretty young, mm-hmm. and I and I would listen to it a lot, which is just him and a guitar and a harmonica, yeah. and the songs come across beautifully. I think, sorry, Paul, but I think some of your band arrangements are a bit rubbish. But his songs are so good, and um, and they also strangely. Um, they're quite adult, his lyrics, and 
I think you find things out you probably shouldn't find out before your time when you're listening to that when you're 12. <laughs> yeah. Do you, how do you feel about the Americana influence that, that's going around? Because I know that Paul Kelly is like a standout Australian performer, but it's, how do you feel like you get the Australian flavor into a song? Like that felt super Aussie to me, but I do know the locations that you're singing about and stuff. I mean, is it just an accent or is, it, is there something more to it? I used to, I don't, I don't know. It's a really interesting question. I think um, I used to listen to a lot of Cold Chisel. Mm-hmm. I think Don Walker is a fantastic songwriter. So it's, it's difficult because American songwriters drop geographical names like, you know, three, four, five in a song and everyone loves it down to Louisiana or, mm-hmm. you know, New Orleans or um, New York or whatever mm-hmm. all the time. If you do that, if you drop an Australian name, geographical name, it stands out unless you do it really cleverly or, I don't know, in a true manner, it's hard. You can't say, went to Wangaratta. Everyone just goes, fucking hell. <laughs> um, there's a few, like I think Coles is with k when they say the last train at plane out of Sydney, that's fine, that works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Kelly does it a fair bit. But it's, it's, it feels like it's a project. Like there's a lot of Australian songwriters out there sort of naming towns, trying to convince everyone that it's all right to do that in a song. Wow, like a shared, a great shared project. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I know, you know, Mick Thomas does it quite well and mm-hmm. um, Red Gum do it poorly. <laughs> um, um, oh, sorry, John Schumann. Um, <laughs> So, uh, but the accent thing's interesting. See, I for a while I was very conscious that I was sort of singing in a. There were Australian elements to my vowels, but there was also a, a transatlantic element, and um, I think that's fine because mechanically singing in an Australian accent changes things quite a lot. Like there's these things called diphthongs, which are sort of syllables but actually vowel-y things mm-hmm. um home like you say oh but it goes up and down instead of home home and it's f- home yeah like there's a there's an up and down there and it and it kind of changes things rhythmically within the melody so there's that but that feels like a slight cop out the other thing is you you're singing or you're subscribing or uh, being involved in a type of music which is indigenous indigenously american Mm-hmm. And a bit British, and so that's the sort of format. That's the template, and I think it's fine if you're being a part of that to sort of be a part of that way of singing as well as that way of playing. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it anymore. I I, ha- I find Lee Kernighan pretty weird when he puts on that real southern twang thing. Mm-hmm. Or um, Nicole Kidman's husband, whatever his name is. Oh, Keith Urban. Yeah, yeah I, I do find same. that weird. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a re- really putting on a yank suit, whereas. There's a, there is middle ground. Yeah. And you like to aim for that. I mean, wherever the vowels work, right? Yeah. 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 I think so. I think so. It's unresolved, but that's my thinking on it up until this point. Mm. Does that all go on inside your head or did you, did you in, a, in your formative years, have this out with, with people? Did you have bandmates who had or like high school friends or older brothers? You had older brothers. What a great musical resource. One. You had one older he brother. He played the saxophone pretty badly. <laughs> okay, so he was a Bruce Springsteen fan? 
No, he he liked Dire Straits. I think he put me onto it. He actually had pretty good taste in music, actually. Uh, he, no, he was good. He was okay. He was a, he was a good musician. Full 180 degree turn in 10 You know why? Because... On your brother's <laughs> Because music. I often, like... He's an MP. He's a minister. Of, he he's, he mm-hmm. was a minister. And so, generally, my reflex action is to bag him. <laughs> and I've had, an interview, I've had an interview before where he was listening with his staff... To yeah. me on Adelaide Radio, and they said, "What's your brother like? Can he can he play music?" I said, "Nah, he's rubbish," <laughs> which is not true. He's actually all right. He's and, a reasonable sex player. But that was just my hard. response: is uh, you know, Tom got to punch him because my older brother. Punch him. And, and all his staff were like, ah, laughing at him. I think he was like a little bit. Like, Mate, what did you say that for? Oh. I, I can play the saxophone. Here's your chance to make her a dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he actually can play. And he had excellent taste in music and put me onto Dice Straits and Jimi Hendrix and various other blues masters. Wow. He's quite critical of my stuff. Yeah. So what do you, what, what do you play that chord for? What, why don't you just play a major chord? Very specific, very specifically critical. Not I, don't know, like, I don't know why I gave him an Adelaide Italian accent. <laughs> what do you play that chord for? <laughs> 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 Fucking... <laughs> Look, it's up. good to have someone with constructive criticism that gets down to that fine grain. You need a drummer. Get a drummer. Oh, really? Double bass player's not cutting it? Oh, no, he likes him. He's good. <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is, this is good for you. It's developmental. This is your brother pushing you from, from behind, right? Yeah, well, it drives me along into, you know, major scales, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a force for conservatism. Yeah, yeah. In music. Totally. If not Labor right, solid. Yep. Wow. Wait, so did you pick up your political bend from him as well? Mm, no, we kind of bounce each off, off each other a bit. Okay, because you can't bag him too much if he got you a job and set you up with the music didn't that led you to a music didn't career. Didn't get me a job. Did oh, you didn't my, get you a do, job? I'll do that myself. All right. No, I've got the Italian accent. Your own I'll do it myself, mate. Yeah, all right. Your own bootstraps. Sorry, what did he do for me again? What was the other thing you said? Well, Dire Straits was the first band oh, yeah, you said yeah, before no, was no, your I most do. important he, influence. Yeah. And he hooked you up with them. He did. No doubt. He sounds like he sounds like a mensch. Yeah, well, he's a mensch. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. No, he's a, he's actually great. He's a very good brother. All right, that's one. <laughs> the, the little brother's great too. Yeah, but well, he's uh, he's in Jakarta. He yeah he he's actually awesome. Have you thought about trying to break into that market? Because I know a couple of singer songwriters who've I gone have. over there and are killing it. Yeah, I think everyone does. When you look at your bank account, you just sort of. Yeah. I could write a hit, K-pop, K-pop hit. Oh, it doesn't need to be k Dude, Gabriel Lynch, you ever heard of him? Never heard of him. Right, because he toured around heaps here and was like, oh, that's right, in Australia everything is impossibly distant and you don't get paid. And then he and looked north so and was like, I could get... Playing music. And he went to Indonesia like once or twice and then was like, this is fantastic, I'm going to stay. Really? And now his Twitter account, I don't know him that well, I could be constructing an entirely false narrative. But from what I see of his gig listings, it's like... He's playing in KL and he's playing up and down the awesome peninsulas and all these places I've never heard of. And it's like, that's right, there's 190 million people right there and you can drive from one town to another in like 15 minutes. Does, does he have lots of fans or he's kind of tour? I think, he's a t- I think he's a tour guy. Not a tour guide. No, I mean... A tour guy. Look, I'm not rolling it out and I congratulate him. I think it's, uh, it's a fine thing to do. Like Jog Jakarta, fantastic music scene. Really? Yeah, but into like that, like acid jazz, crazy funk, like big horn section stuff. Oh. Yeah, I have a jazz friend who went there because he was like, I heard some music out of Jakarta and just wanted to go. 
I don't think there's any good reason not to do it. Great. Now that I'm thinking about it. So All right, well, there you go. Action plan. I'm Get out gonna, of here. I am going to do that. Go to Indonesia. Visit your brother. Play some gigs. <laughs> I might have just... If, you, if this makes your career, well, I, want, I want 1%. I'll ring him and say, well, how about this? I play some gigs. And, anyway. <laughs> it could happen. This could be the turning point in your career. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'll report back. Great. Right. You know where to find me. All I do is sit on this stage. <laughs> 24-7. Coming here at 9am, scratching at the door like a cat. And they set me up, they give me a whiskey, and I'm here for 18 hours every day. What, what do you do when no one else is here? Drink my whiskey, look out the front window. Sometimes Pete visits me. Do you know Pete? He's the guy behind the bar with the hair. Yeah. The magnificent hair. Pete's great. Yeah, Pete and I just hang out. Do, do you um, ever commentate? On what's going on in the bar? Oh, in my head all the time. Because I have that 80s sitcom thing going on in my head where it's like, it's a James laughter. walked into the bar at 9am, same as every day. But today was going to be different. It never is. But it's, but it's in my head. But does the laughter still happen regardless? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as an only child, you build up sort of a, a little, you get an audience. I watch a lot of sitcoms too. It's a very Seinfeld thing. So you have brothers and sisters to laugh at your jokes or not? Whereas, I have to compete with mostly. Oh, really? Well, yeah. For parents' affection or just for to, laughs generally? For parents' laughs. Parents' yeah. laughs? Yeah. That was the capital in your household? Yeah, actually everyone's like, yeah, if you could say the funniest thing. Yep. So where are the comedians? You've got like nine art forms it would, here. It would have been a torturous family dinner just for anyone else to sit down to. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear about the guy? No, sorry. <laughs> um, how do you feel about mid-song banter? Do you think stuff up ahead or do you just ignore the audience entirely? Tried all those things. Yeah? Um, ignore the audience works, but it's not that good. Hmm. That you can get through a gig, but everyone's like, oh, come on, man, just say something. It's not that big a deal. You're just playing songs. People do it everywhere all the time. Just say something. <laughs> um, other times I've, I'm in quite a good mood and I can just, just talk like I would to mm-hmm. a normal person, which is probably, I feel a bit like that at the moment, actually. Oh, that's good news. Thanks. Um, it's, I'm on a precipice at all times. I'm time, not so. a normal person, but I appreciate <laughs> the compliment. Uh, Sometimes I have planned a few things before, mm-hmm. and a couple have worked really well. A couple have gone really badly, just because you because people can tell when the intonation's out and the tone's a bit out. They can tell you uh, yeah, rehearsing instead of just saying instead of just saying "Oh hi guys, how are you going?" You sort of you know, "Oh hi guys, what's doing? What's going on?" That kind of <laughs> like there's just everyone just is thrown slightly, but it's Kevin Rudd. Well, yeah, yeah, a bit of that. Yeah. Fair suck at the old... <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> what was this awesome? He dropped that awesome line like, hey kids, what's... Like it was it was a how's it hanging, but like, what, yeah, even worse. Yeah. It was really difficult. Uh, yeah, he... How's shit? So you're better off just talking like a guy, like just getting up on stage and being yourself. Yeah, just not vetting so cool. much. Yeah. But then you have to play something that you laboured over every single syllable. Yeah. And thought about what diphthongs you were going to use. Well, I think the talking in between a song, if you do it, if you can do it, you should. Mm-hmm. Because you just need, the, the, especially the stuff I'm playing is generally, you know, folky sort of stuff. So it's, it can be way a bit on the audience. It's a bit heavy. And you just need that mm-hmm. time to just sort of everyone for laugh a bit, release, talk, laugh, and then... Um, 
then hit him with some more maudlin rot. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I did see that in your genre and I was, I was like, I haven't, it's like maudlin rot. That's sort of, is that the cure? But no, cool. I get it. It's like, yeah, South Australian folk rock. Yeah, folk rock. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, the worst of all genres. So what, what sets you off songwriting-wise? Do you just, does it just come to you every now and then or are you like a Nick Cave sitting in front of the typewriter? And no, I play, with, really without exception, I'll play some chords, a melody will come, I'll fit a line into the melody and then a song kind of grows out of that. Cool, so mining the subconscious. You don't go in with a... Initially, when you do, it comes out as not your favourite song. When you go in with like a theme in mind, it doesn't work out for you. No, it so, doesn't. It's very hmm. awful. But it, you start, like, there becomes a point. So there's the intuitive bit where whatever comes up, comes up. And then, for me, then you have to bring some craft in because that's mm-hmm. maybe a chorus and a verse. You have to finish the song. So I've got so many unfinished songs because after that initial creative spurt or whatever you want to call it, um, there's work to be done. And that's actually thinking about the form of the song. Um, the first two verses generally kind of set it up. The third one's got to kind of flip it in some interesting way generally. Mm-hmm. You can't just sing three verses about a thing without there being some point to talking about the thing. Unless you're Dylan. Unless you're Dylan. Yeah, He's pretty good at it. <laughs> Eight verses and you can just stick to the same thing. It's fine, right? If you're Dylan. I just feel scared to comment on Dylan. No, fair enough. <laughs> Let's not go there. I made some comments that I regret earlier about um, the guy from the Velvet Underground. What did you say? <laughs> I'm not going to repeat it on air. I already made enemies tonight. Oh, really? Well, oh, look, not I'll enemies. Be it's just that it's the year anniversary of his death. Do we have to be reverent of that? Is that what we I don't feel like he would have been particularly reverent. Does that mean that we don't? I don't know. I think he's a bit overrated, personally. He's not bad. It's I funny mean, he's really good. I'll, but I'll criticise his music up and down a wall, particularly his lyrics and his unimaginative chords, and then the <laughs> fact that he, by his own admission, made albums that he didn't want to listen to. All that noise rock stuff, he said he recorded it and enjoyed the process of recording it, but literally never pressed play yeah. on the album. Yeah. So I think he made a, a great that, album. But I don't know if you can criticise his, his, how rated he is, because that's a measure of how much he meant to people, which is, which is based on nothing. It's based on how much an individual... Like, what's Darren Hanlon's line? Like, if one Elvis fan can be wrong, then 16 million other screaming fans can be wrong too. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter if it matters to them. That's what rated means. Yeah. But it makes I you feel th- bad I'm when you're thinking in terms of craft. But I, I think... I think I, I'm only saying... I'm not trying to diminish him. I'm just, I guess that I just feel there's a lot of other people who aren't as well rated as they should be. I think mm. that's what, what I'm saying. Karen Dalton. That's just who leaps to mind for me. <laughs> uh, well, look, I kind of feel songy. Yeah, let's do another one. Do you have something that can prove your point on the songwriting thing? Wow. The third verse that flips it? Or oh. a song that was heaps of craft or a song that came out of nowhere? Yeah, okay. Um, I'll play a song that came out, pretty much tumbled out. Mm-hmm. With the third verse that is kind of counter to the first two a little mm-hmm. bit. So the first two set it up and then the last one is... Is it good to talk about the lyrics of a song before I play it? I think it's a fantastic idea. Okay, so... 
This song is about a <laughs> this song is about a motorbike ride I I went on um, in well basically it's after my mum died so I, I I just went on this long motorbike ride and um, it was it was motorbikes are dangerous and you sort of depending on how you ride them are close to danger <laughs> so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll play it. All right. I'll play it. It was a great motorbike ride. I'd do it again. Do you still ride? No. I, I had a moment where um, I was riding the, the bike and um, I had a moment where I, I lost a couple of seconds. Like, I just remember thinking, what just happened then? And um, it wasn't in a dangerous situation, but I think I was turning right or something and I was... I just realised that I felt like the window is closing <laughs> on riding a road bike, so I just stopped riding it. All right. I just felt like my reflexes were a bit weird or something. Huh. And if a car was coming at that point, it wouldn't have been good. Few months after you died, I loaned a motorbike and I rode it west. I caught up with your daughters, but they've got kids. And they're distracted, I guess, and I guess going through pretty much what I was going through too I got some friends on the coast said I'd be there in three days maybe four at the most it took me more than a week I got water in the motor trying to cross a flooded creek and they left the day before Note in the letterbox and a key to the back door But I find I miss you more Not less as the years they progress Yeah, I miss you more and more Not less As the years they progress Oh, Elizabeth so damn hot and felt like oil was coming off through the ash felt top 
was worried the bike would slip, yeah The bloke at the servo said, nah, you just get more grip And so I gunned it I leaned it over I leaned it so low the pegs hit the rumble strip But if I now miss you more Not less As the years they progress Yeah, I miss you more and more Not less As the years they progress Oh, Elizabeth Ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> That's definitely a getting older song, isn't it? Are you like, are you really aware of that? Do you do you feel like things are? Do you feel like the same guy you were ten years ago? Or do you feel like things are changing a lot now that you're? I think things have changed a lot. Yeah. Yep. I think yeah. You know, it's a cliche, but you do become more conscious of your mortality. <laughs> your siblings have families now. Yep. Is that just one or two? Is that like everybody? Only JP you? in Jakarta doesn't, mm-hmm. and that's because <laughs> I keep remembering this is being recorded. This is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> JP is uh, a he he, he loves he's a very social guy. Yeah. Um, the other three, yeah, I've got four. I've got eight nephews and a niece. Wow. Mm. Do you feel like you're missing out there? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean you just visit them a lot or does that mean that you... It means I kind of stare at babies a little bit weirdly. (laughs) (laughs) God, look at that one. Yeah. A little bit. Huh. Is that creeping into the music? Uh, I hope not. I don't think that's very compelling listening. (laughs) There's some great... There's some good songs about raising a family, aren't there? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Stevie Wonder, one of his big songs is about the birth of his baby daughter. Yeah, but he's he can do that. Yeah, he can do anything. It sounds like a funky song. Yeah, that, I mean, matter. you can sing yeah. about you know your dog dying in in a funk song, and it's awesome, and everyone's dancing. Everyone's like, yeah. Well, what elephant yeah, steps on my that foot? Otis. Yeah, that? yeah, exactly. A bit more no, pressure. No, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Not yet. Because you have so much going on, right? I mean, you're in the middle of recording an album, mm. and that's going well. Yeah, it's hard. Because um, I'm working with a guy called Nick Huggins. Mm-hmm. He's a great producer. He's done some really good stuff and he's really well regarded. Mm. And um, he's real re- well regarded because he pushes people and he finds really interesting sounds. He gets really inside the project. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's why I wanted to work with him. But that is also um, can be difficult. Well, confronting anyway. When you, when you've played a song the same way for so long, it goes. How about this? How about you? Uh, how about you put in um, some drum loops, or how about you? Um, how about some birds in the background, or, or uh, I don't know. Any? Uh, Does it get to structural stuff? Like how about you cut that verse? That just doesn't fit. Yeah, most of that stuff I'm kind of cool with. It's more right. sound stuff, like huh. form stuff. Is uh, we generally agree on. All right. 
Um, but it's good. So he'll give me stuff and initially I'll be, oh, fuck. What we've just recorded. <laughs> Horrified. Uh, yeah, and then I'll go for a walk the next day and listen to it and I'll be like, oh, God, this is really good. I'm really glad I'm huh. doing this. I'm really confident. Actually, I trust him a lot. So Great. Yeah. And do you have a release date or is it just a, it's just going to keep going till it's done? It'll go till it's done, but it has to... No, we, okay, we have a release date. Um, it can't be any later than the end of September. Wow, that's not long. Well, we've done probably half of it. Not to freak you out. I just mean, I'm like, September this year. Yeah, the song's all written. <laughs> the song's all written. It's half recorded. Yep. And we've got all the rest of the recording dates planned and rehearsals planned. I feel fine Great. about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm convinced. I believe you. Uh, that's fantastic. Ah, so w- look, we've got something to look forward to by the end of the year. Yeah. Those cool. two songs will be on it. Do you know what it's going to be called? What? The album. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah. No, do you know what it's going to be called was the question? Oh, sorry. I thought you said, do you know what's going to be cool? You're welcome. Thanks. I right. reckon it will. Your album's going to be cool. Your album's going to be cool. Awesome. It's going to have birds and shit on it. Don't know what it's going to be called. It's no. got, the working title is Imagine You Are Driving. That's the working title. Great. Really? Yeah, well, you're a highway guy. Yeah. And we've had two songs, both mentioned highways, one of which you were literally driving on a highway. Yeah. And you're wearing a trucker cap right yeah. now. So it's a thematic thing, right? Or is that it? Have I got the only three? Nah, there's heaps more. Yeah. Because <laughs> you lived in a van, right? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> How'd you find that out? Oh, I know all sorts. <laughs> no, I mean, you lived in a van like on highways as like, like young, right? Well, I, I worked in a factory for a year, saved up and bought a Bedford van. Yeah. And drove around Australia for a while. Yeah. How old were you when you did that? Uh, I was 21. Cool. 21. Yeah. It had um, two double beds in it and... What? It had an oven. Wow. So you could have guests. Yeah. Yeah. We, I went to all these festivals and things and wow. you know, carried on like a hippie. Yeah. And did you get a lot of writing done then? No, like no, I was shit. Everything I wrote then, oh yep. God. Because I, 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 I worked in the factory, I bought this really expensive guitar that I just couldn't play. And mm-hmm. A Gretsch? No, it was, it was a Maton. Oh, it was a Maton. They're all right. Oh, they're fine. But I, I couldn't play it and, yeah. and my songs were rubbish. And, yeah. oh. I, I, thought, I thought that's what I was going to do. I thought I was going to travel around and be a musician, but I was... Um, Life got in the way. Yeah. Huh. What made you stop? What made me stop? Stop yeah. driving the van or playing? Yeah, like get off the road. I, I just, I don't, I don't think I like traveling without a reason or a destination. I don't, right. I don't, I don't it made me slightly anxious, to be honest. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, at first it was really good and then I was like, what am I doing? Where am I going? Hmm. What am I here for? You know, the big questions. So did you find out the answer? Oh, I just went and studied. <laughs> Started studying. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, what are you here for? Now? Yeah. Oh, well, come on. Let's, let's <laughs> I'm going to bring the amp out. Yeah, right. No, I don't expect you to have any kind of answer. I certainly don't. Do you have intermediate answers? Do you have like little intermediate things? Intermediate answers. Okay. Well, keep you ticking okay, over. Okay, so I've obviously thought about what, what yeah, as we all have, what are we, why are we doing our job? Yeah. Um. Can I give a sport analogy? Definitely. <laughs> well, I think I th- kind of think of my life in terms of playing as a forward and a 
and and in defence. Like I think yeah. the electorate office part of it, which is where I'm trying to help people sort shit out with mm-hmm. their Centrelink, is the defence part. Yep. So you're back playing as a a back doing hard yard sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Unglamorous, the, but keeping the yeah, game alive. Yeah, they just sort of essential. Want, yeah, needs to be done. And then the the music art sort of stuff is me playing as a vain selfish striker, trying to score goals. Pulling your shirt over your head, yeah. like running around with your arms yeah. in the air. And, and maybe, in a really naff analogy, if you're covering all positions, things are kind of okay. All right. <sighs> I'm going to regret that one. Really? Yeah. Look, I reckon that's really strong. I know you laugh at it, but I think that the fact that you've got both angles covered and you see them as two separate things rather than just fighting desperately to, to meld them into a single... Yeah. You know, like pro tennis player. I guess I'm looking for a sport where you've got one person who Yeah, does tennis. Both. Tory sport. Hate it. Right. Mm. <laughs> I think you just converted two people in the audience. I don't know what it was to or from, but I heard two. Huh. I guess it is. You're right. Federer is just a Brats. spoiled little prince in perfectly laundered clothes. All right. Well, look, if you've got one takeaway from this, it's that... Tennis is a Tory sport. Huh. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it's not It's fine It's a good yeah. sport Alright well look What can I point people Towards uh, Do you have gigs Coming up Do you have uh, You yeah. have the record Coming out In September We have a record Coming out in September I'm, I'm playing at the Folk club Melbourne folk club One year anniversary With An amazing lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I know amazing Is a boring superlative But I'm, I'm I've found myself Using it already Master um, Black I'm Playing um, hmm. I wish I had the list in front of me. Oh, it'll be online. Mr. Black, Mr. Black. All these really sort of gun Fantastic. folk. So how long till the one-year anniversary? I think it's the 22nd of April. All right. Yeah, yeah we'll push that. That's great. Or the 12th. Sorry, Al. Uh, <laughs> it's a date with the two in the second bit of April yeah. in 2015. Yeah. Or 2012. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, that'll be really good. Yeah. I don't, I, actually, I don't know if that's been announced publicly. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, This won't come out for a week. We've got that long to yeah. fact check. Uh, there's a few gigs about, but they're, they're always on my Facebook page. So. Great. Mm. Well, um, do you want to play us out? Sure. I've just really been enjoying listening to your music. Um, I don't know what song to play. I could play, a, uh, I could play a, another song about a highway. Fantastic. Yeah, let's finish it off the trifecta. Hang on. All right. I, g- I guess this song is a kind of a response to um, a Paul Kelly song. I don't know if you, you guys know that song, They Thought I Was Asleep. It's about a song about a kid who wakes up and inadvertently hears a, a kind of distressing conversation his parents are having while they're driving. Yeah. Um, cool. So this is sort of riffing on that a bit, I guess. Rode on down the road 
We'd been driving for hours The summer air flowed Through the windows unwound The radio's on It was playing Neil Diamond Then a late night quiz show Then nothing at all Pasta back marker I looked over my shoulder The precise moment She was caught in the lights Of an oncoming road train Which lit up the driver And the fella beside her She was gripping the wheel You could tell she'd been crying And then the truck dipped its lights She snapped back to black And we'll quiet after that What is it that makes a person a liar? The curve of a thigh, oh, numbing old aches, the panic of aging. Covering mistakes We walk out on the wire We look straight ahead And just like they said 
we make it in the end we make it in the end yeah just like they said we made it in the end yeah just like they said we made it in the end yeah just like they said we made it in the end yeah thank you That's the show. Thanks heaps to James Canyon for coming along and to everybody who's come along to the show since it began. This is the last show of the season is coming up with Broads on April 1st. So if you've been saying to yourself, man, I should really get along to that sometime. Sometime is now. If you're not in Melbourne or if you're agoraphobic and you don't want to go outside or even if you're just busy that night or if going to things like that isn't your thing, you can still listen to everything online like you are right now. WaitLongByTheRiver.com is sticking around and we've got a bunch of new shows planned for later in the year. Get in touch on Facebook or Twitter or email us. It's all WaitLongByTheRiver. Except for Twitter, which is at LongByTheRiver. Because being Twitter, it didn't have room for the name WaitLongByTheRiver. Thanks for listening. Wait, wait, wait. And you know we have a secret section at the end of every one of these podcasts, right? Each of you is a part of the great internet cat god, so thank you. The thing I always think about when we were young the most is the snare sound on harp. It's this nice, really nice, tight, compressed snare. I wanna live, I wanna kill. In an electrical, in an electoral office. If I phrase that again, I can cut it out. How shit? <laughs> Which is not how oh, shit. Great. It's how how whoa how how shit. shit. How, what do you think? <laughs> shit. How's wait for it? <laughs> how about shit? I got a new one for you. Is that where they call it a? Sorry. Hey. <laughs> uh, we're getting close to the end of the hour. Yeah, okay. Uh, you gotta, you got to sum up your life. Um, we gotta Keep get it union. a secret. I'm watching you, Adam. He's a gossip. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. Yep. That was really good. I've got a slight bit of anxiety about what I may have said during the course of it. But <laughs> well, hey, it's all going to go online forever. <laughs> <laughs>